welcome back to Blind Spots Podcast. My name is Jake Tropila, joined as always by my co-host, Christy Strauss. Christy, how are you doing this uh, late evening? Doing wonderful. How are you? I'm doing fine, thanks. I'm excited to be back with another episode of the show we love doing, and uh, happy to share two more films out in the world, wouldn't you say? Yes. Uh, I think people have just been really asking for it, waiting for it, pining for it, so we're here to provide we're here. We're back. Hopefully, in full swing. We'll be releasing these more often. And uh, yeah, we uh, we have two films this evening for your entertainment that uh, seemingly are unconnected. Uh, but uh, the more I sat down and thought about it, I think these fit along with our uh, our dead auteur series. Uh, we each picked films from uh, filmmakers we both love, but uh, are no longer with us. Uh, so yeah, to kick things off, uh, the film that I recommended to Christy for this episode is uh, Robert Altman's Brewster McCloud from 1970. It is a uh, very uh, quirky comedy, I guess you could say, uh, about a young boy who wants to uh, be able to fly, as the birds do. Um, that's, that's pretty much the basic uh, narrative premise, but uh, yeah, a lot, of, uh, a lot of weird and funny stuff happens along the way. So, um, Christy, what did you think of uh, Brewster McCloud? And yeah, that pretty much is the premise, if there is a premise. Yeah. <laughs> There's kind of a discernible plot there, I guess. It's it's a, it's not really much of one, but it's it's it was hilarious. I thought it was a lot of fun. Uh, it's a odd little film. Yeah. Which is which is always nice, in my opinion. Oh, that's great to hear. Yeah, this is um. So Robert Altman uh became famous after releasing uh, Mash, which I believe was the same year. Uh, became a household name that the show ended up spawning like a 15 epi- a series or season series. Uh, Altman had a very long uh, film career through 2006 before he passed away. Um, he was just one of the best American filmmakers I think who uh, there ever was. Um, so it's always interesting to see when a director what they follow up their biggest success with. And uh, whether or not that uh, ends up ruining them or it just keeps like it keeps them going. And I think it's really interesting to see Brewster McCloud as the film that he followed up MASH with because it is just such an odd duck of a film that uh, at times it's just kind of like it's not necessarily indescribable. But if you were to describe it, you would kind of sound like a crazy person. But, yeah, it's I think just is the perfect summation of all of Robert Altman's sensibilities. It's like you said, it's very funny. Uh, It's very odd. I think I I think it's like specifically one of the like has some of the funniest things i've ever seen in a movie um, yes it's it's just so it's just so kind of brilliantly done um but uh yeah let's uh, get going right into it uh the film has this uh sort of wraparound narrator who we see on screen <laughs> uh he's he's played by an altman regular uh rene abourgenois um he's uh he's only credited as the lecturer in the film and he's kind of giving these uh sermons on various different birds throughout the film uh, all the meanwhile, he's turning into a bird himself and is like practically uh, just like pecking on his desk at the very end of the film. Um, but just uh, like to give you a sense of like the humor of this film, it opens with the uh, the famous MGM logo of the lion. But like instead of the lion roaring, it's completely muted except for Renee saying, uh, "I forgot my opening line," and uh, it's like dubbed over the lion's voice. It's just it's a really funny uh, image. But, um, yeah, then we soon after meet, uh, 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 I forgot the name of the title character, <laughs> friggin' Brewster McCloud. <laughs> it's only the name of the film. Only the name of the film, played by, uh, and I have the film pulled up in front of me too, played by 
Uh, Bud Court, who's more probably most well known as uh, Harold from Harold and Maude, uh, and he lives up in the uh, like the wings of the Houston Astrodome. Um, and yeah, he's uh, just a boy who is building a set of wings so that he can learn how to fly. And he encounters a lot of interesting people along the way. And there's also a uh, murder mystery that happens. Um, but yeah, what are uh, what are some more of your thoughts on uh, on Brewster? You know, it's funny. I, I had to start this film a few times um, mm-hmm. because of internet. So I actually heard that I forgot my line. Yeah, <laughs> like five times, and every time it made me laugh, which I guess that's something. Uh, but I love the narration element, the lecture. He keeps saying things about birds that kind of like pertain to something mm-hmm. the humans are doing on screen, uh, and I, I thought that was that was hilarious. And there's a lot of really funny, just very odd moments. Um, certain things that he does, as far as like it will zoom into something while. I think there's like a turtle walking while the sirens or there's just like little yeah. tiny moments that maybe other people wouldn't find funny, but, but I do. And I feel like it's something that Altman takes to actually, like, he's purposely doing that. Yeah. Um, and yeah, it's just, I have other things written down as well. <laughs> also yeah. in the beginning, rolling down the, uh, the restraint, that, that whole sequence, just his boss rolling down the street in his wheelchair was just, uh, yeah, <laughs> absolutely it's- hilarious as well. So yeah, you mentioned you had to restart the film a couple of times, and actually the film itself restarts yes. a couple of times because after we meet the lecturer, we go to the the Astrodome where there's this um, marching band performing, and they're being conducted by uh, Margaret Hamilton, most famous for playing the Wicked Witch of the West from Wizard of Oz, and uh, the camera like does this whole little like tilt down from the ceiling of the Astrodome to the marching band. And she, like, cuts off the performance and says, no, 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 you're all off key. And this was all while the credits were rolling. Mm-hmm. And then she asks everyone to, like, get back to their places and redo it. And then, like, without cutting, the camera just, like, shakily moves back up to the first position at the ceiling of the Astrodome. And then the credits re-roll while the band, like, plays the music properly. Um, which it just, like, you know, it's it's very, of course, meta and fourth wall breaking. But it's, yeah, it's, very. It, it's very fun. Um, and, yeah, yeah, you mentioned the... Oh, go ahead. Oh, I said it all works. Um, the fact yeah. that it, it, it goes that round. And then the ending, obviously, with the wraparound with the band and everything is also amazing. But we can get to that <laughs> later. Yeah, Every, all the uh, actors are introduced. But, yeah, so um, uh, while when we meet Brewster, he's uh, he's like the assistant of this evil landlord uh, who's played by Stacy Keach. Uh, and this is in the 1970s where Stacy Keach was a young man. But he's actually got this really grotesque old man makeup on. He's in a wheelchair and he's he's just kind of very cruel to all of his uh, all of his tenants as he, they go around collecting rent from everyone. Um, and then yeah, the first like I guess incident of like a murder happening is uh, he's about to like Brewster's helping him pick up his money that spills on the ground and he's collecting it for him, but. Like, Stacey Keach doesn't even want him to touch his money. And he right, he doesn't want him to touch it, but it's blowing away. Yeah, it's all, it's all just blowing away at the same time. And he's just stuck in his wheelchair, and so, but yeah, the right when that happens, um, like a like actual bird shit splatters on his head. That's a that's a recurring image. Like right yes. before somebody is killed in the movie, their like bird droppings fall on them, uh, and then yeah, next we see him is uh, actually kind of cleverly revealed where there's a car driving down the freeway, and when it makes a turn, it's just the wheelchair heading straight down the like the off ramp on this, like, freeway before it crashes. Um, yeah, it's yeah. really good. So the bird shit's not a good omen, not good luck in this movie at all. No. 
as some yeah. people might say in life. <laughs> For sure, but, yeah. It's, it's bad when it happens. It's really bad when it happens to people in this movie. Um, yeah. But, yeah, so all the meanwhile, um, Brewster is actually aided uh, through his journey by uh, this mysterious woman who may or may not be a fallen angel, as her uh, scars on her back suggest. But she's played by Sally Kellerman, who was also in uh, MASH. She played uh, Nurse Hot Lips, who's often mm-hmm. the butt of the soldier's jokes. So she's another uh, Albert or Altman like returnee. Uh, and she actually, like, one of the things about MASH is that she's, like, famous for having this nude scene where she's embarrassed in front of all the soldiers. But then she does this nude scene in Brewster McCloud where she, like, she recreates the sequence, but she's, like, making fun of it and poking fun of herself, um, which is pretty great. But... Yeah, she's really cool. She she does a lot of uh, like magical things to help out Brewster. Like she steals film boxes for him from a film store, but when the security guard stops her, like she starts emptying out her purse and she pulls out like three different Shampoo. types of shampoos. <laughs> Everything she can like you think of, she pulls out except for like the film. Like where did all the film stock go? It's just all gone missing. Yeah, um, everything with her in that movie is kind of like suggestive and never explained you really yeah. don't know you know that she's obviously somehow you know aiding and and supporting brewster but you really don't know what like where she's coming from what she's doing why she seems to always be there when these things happen mm-hmm. it's like she's just you know i don't know at one point i didn't know if maybe she was a bird i don't know <laughs> yeah it's it's all very like you said it's very symbolic and suggestive but like there's nothing kind of spelled out right in the snow, which I think no. is all the better for. Um, but yeah, yeah, the murder the, mystery does not get solved. No, I mean, I don't have to spoil her, but it doesn't, not really. Right. Um, uh, and then, so yeah, with the murder, with these increasing murders, they, the, I think it's the mayor calls in this like, detective from San Francisco. Uh, detective, his name is actually Detective Shaft. Uh, he's played by Michael Murphy. He's got these piercing blue eye contacts as part of this character, uh, which we kind of just learned he turned out to be, he's just a fraud, uh, he doesn't really have blue eyes, but um, yeah, he's another Altman regular. He's he shows up and he's always one step behind Brewster. Every time they find a body, it's just it's covered in bird crap and like they're they were like apparently strangled. Um, so that that uh, yeah, that's one aspect of it. And then also Brewster meets uh, this young woman played by uh, Shelley Duvall, who's also uh, famous for being in Robert Altman films. And you had a comment about Shelley Duvall before we started recording. I said her eyelashes were a mood. Yeah, <laughs> they she's, are. She's got like these crazy, like I don't know how they they did it. Like they, her eyelashes, like look like they're glued together into like like these little star tips. Yeah, is that what you would say? Is that is that something people can do? Apparently, <laughs> I don't know. It, it it was just it's very intense, but I was like really cool yeah. at the same time. I wanted. I wish she would give me a tour too. I feel like she's a really fun tour guide in that movie, even though yeah. I only see it once, but. Yeah, she's got a great tour. Brewster joins it, and he's also, like, there's this portly security guard who's suspicious <laughs> about him always being in the dome, and he's always outwitting him. Um, yes, yeah, another funny moment when he's chasing him. And he's, like, yeah. barely even, like, moving, but the security guard's, like, always <laughs> he's behind him. He's, like, always just pumping his arms and, and really going after him. But, yeah, Brewster just out, outwits him. He's, like, I don't know, if Bugs Bunny is in yeah. description. <laughs> but, um yeah, there's really not much else to a, like a plot that drives this film. It's just sort of a, a series of interactions with these characters and how they like they the murder mystery almost dovetails into uh, Brewster's plot to uh, to fly, but um, it, this this culminates in like actually a really great car chase 
yeah. which is a lot of fun to see. It's like the cops are chasing Brewster, and the cops are also being chased by, chased by Sally Kellerman, and like a lot of a lot of inventive stuff Altman does. Like they go on train tracks, and the cars are just bouncing up and down, and there's some like great slow motion flying through the air of the cars. I don't know. I I really think it's fantastic. Yeah, I like that sequence a lot. And, you know, it's interesting. Duvall's character, um, Duvall's character mm-hmm. is kind of, I don't know, her story. I mean, obviously this whole movie is weird as we've, uh, as you can ascertain from what we've said, but she just like, I don't know, her dis- like n- decisions throughout the movie are kind of confusing. Like, um, I guess I don't want to be like, you know, spoilerish with that, but she doesn't yeah. seem like the best person when at first she's introduced and she's all like, Hey, you know, Brewster, um, you can steal my car. And yeah. <laughs> He's like he steals. He actually gets into her car, and he's about to ride off with it. And then she just jumps into the passenger seat, and she's like, "Hey, are you stealing my car?" And he's like, "Oh, your car? I thought this was my car." Uh, and she's like, "No, that's okay. Let's go for a ride." And then yeah, they become good friends because of it. But, yeah. Yeah. It's uh, not not saying that this should be a uh, a, a, a nor- normal human behavior uh, eludes this film many times. But um, yeah. But yeah. In Alman's like careful hands, I think it it all just it all just really works beautifully. Um, it does. The quirk is like it, it. The quirkiness of it is um is done very well. And and like yeah. I said, it wasn't the greatest example, but just like little things. Even like I think it's the mayor trying to get the cop to come over for dinner. He must ask him like yeah ten <laughs> ten times, like something like that. Just makes me laugh. And there's a part where um after the second person is murdered, they're talking about his poor wife, and then they zoom in, yes. and she's just smiling behind. <laughs> I love that. So this guy's killed at the zoo, and he's, like, left in the turtle pen, and uh, his wife and son were with him the whole time. But, yeah, they're like, well, we got to – we gotta, who's going to break the news to his wife and kid? And, and yeah, that, that just that zoom into her just grinning maniacally in the background is great. Um, and, and, yeah, she's, she's later, like, getting remarried to this, like, soldier, and actually Brewster kind of interrupts their car chase. They drive through it, and the, the cop crashes. And like the photographer at the wedding is like, all right, hold still. Yes. <laughs> and he runs to help out one of the fallen cars, and the the people in the wedding ceremony are just holding still in front of a camera that's not being manned by everyone or anyone. It's <laughs> yeah, it's I wrote great. that down. Still posing for the photo. <laughs> yeah. As something to bring up too. Yeah. There's a lot of moments like that that are just hilarious. And um, I know we always talk about like, oh, should we spoil? But you know, the ending is also something that made me laugh uh, a lot because it's it. This whole movie is. You know, like as we've said, as much of their plot as can be, he wants to fly and he's building these wings. And, you know, there's this like very empowering moment um, when he he makes his wings and then, you know, mm-hmm. re- reality. <laughs> sets in. Yeah, um, I, no, no but, human can just you, you go for you a just little can't bit. Do but, it. <laughs> yeah. Humans were not made to fly, but uh, not yeah, this I, way, at least. Yeah. Yeah. And just, yeah, I love, I love the, the whole marching band. Everyone comes back out and the cast is re- reintroduced and they're all like, like got this, these great costumes and outfits yeah. on. Uh, and everyone's like, like basically themselves, except like Bud except Court, Brewster. He, he's still <laughs> he's just, just crumpled on the on ground. The ground. <laughs> <laughs> they're like walking over him, basically. Yeah. Uh, it's like he, he died in the fabric of both like the film and in reality. But, yes, um, that was his fate. That's just yeah. So yeah, I'm glad you enjoyed this. This is just like this is just one of those rare like singular visions from a filmmaker I love that just kind of come together beautifully. And um, I can understand if it like it may sound off-putting, but uh, everything about it is just so endearing to watch. Um, I I uh, I like this podcast. You know, like you set out to do. I just like uh, introducing it to people. So I'm uh, glad you enjoyed it.
Um, yeah, it was, it was a lot of fun. Any it's, other uh, uh, Brewster thoughts? No, I think I think we've shared a lot of Brewster thoughts. Um, but no, yeah. I, I really enjoyed it. And uh, just you know, before setting up the next movie, something interesting, and I you kind of touched on it, but our episode two, which was um, something mm. wild, and our sister sister had a Jonathan Demi movie and a movie with uh, Rosemary Dewitt. Oh. So isn't that kind of a strange and little coincidence? Yeah, we got some repeat <laughs> offenders. Yeah, so why don't you uh, take us into our next movie? Repeat offenders. Um, yeah, so our next movie is uh, the Jonathan Demi film, uh, Rachel Getting Married from 2008. Mm-hmm. And so. This movie is about uh, Anne Hathaway, who is kind of, I think she's taking like a furlough from rehab to go to her, her sister's wedding, uh, Rosemary Dewitt. Mm-hmm. And obviously there's a lot of history there. And it takes place, I think only a few a few days um, really go by uh, over the course of this kind of the wedding and everything before that, the prep, you know, the yeah. dinner and stuff like that. And during that time, her past and the kind of tragedies and, and everything that has happened between them. Cause she was obviously she's an addict, you know, really kind of spills out, even though this is supposed to be a, you know, happy occasion. Um, and it's, it's a really like moving film. It's very funny, but it's also very, very serious. And there's a lot of um, kind of moments in this that really hit. And I, it, primarily yeah. because of the performances, but I'm going too far. So what did you think, Jake? I I loved this movie. Um, I uh, I had always been aware of it. I was even actually working at a movie theater uh, when this came out, and this we had this on our one of our screens for several weeks. And um, just I for some I just always heard the acclaim, and I just for some reason never got around to it. And um, it happens. Yeah, it, this is proof. <laughs> this it does is this happen. Podcast. But um, yeah, I. Uh, I was, it's really just such a remarkable film. Um, I was kind of looking through uh, Jonathan Demme's um, like filmography uh, after watching it um, because I love, you know, Something Wild is one of my favorite films that we, that we did on the show. And, uh, of course, Silence of the Lambs is a masterpiece. But I was just kind of looking at everything he's done between, like, those films and this film. And it's a lot of not nothing too... Uh, I, I mean, I haven't seen Philadelphia, but like nothing too remarkable, I guess. For you haven't seen Philadelphia? Demi, I have not. No. Okay. Um, oh, did we just tease a, tease a future episode? Okay. <laughs> no, I'm just just a little note. Yeah, but um, yeah, I I thought this movie is uh incredibly well acted um and very uh like the direct like it's very it has a very light like tender touch to everything um mm-hmm. like if you you know you describe like woman from rehab gets reunited with family on wedding and, and like, like Brewster cloud, like in the wrong hands, this could be just a, a nightmare to watch, but, um, right. or they no. could have went the like over the top, everything goes wrong, comedic side yeah. of it as well. Yeah. But it's, it's definitely doesn't. And then, but we all realize we love each other cause we're family or some snappy message, but also not no, that. This, <laughs> yeah. This, no, this much like something wild, this, this is a film that's just, teeming with life and um Anne Hathaway who we should mention is not named Rachel uh her name is uh Kim uh she's not yeah she's not no no it's okay it's did I say that (laughs) no 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 you didn't say that but this was always another one of those films where like you see the poster and you see it's the title and Anne Hathaway's face yes it says Rachel getting married it's like uh the Margaret film with um uh Anna Paquin her name is not Margaret in that movie even though she's on the poster 
Um, but yeah, uh, Anne Hathaway is excellent in this movie. Maybe even gives the best performance I've ever seen of her. Um, Definitely one. One of one of the best, um, and yeah, Demi is just so good at uh, just putting together like like just a, a a weekend wedding with these with these people, and yeah, um, yeah it's uh, it's just so masterfully done. So a reminder yeah. of why he's he was just such a renowned filmmaker. Yeah, I and I think she was also nominated for this. That's well. Yes, that it looks like that is correct. But yeah, I I really love that it felt um authentic a lot. I I feel like also the way it's chosen to be filmed, it, it's very much you feel like you're part of the wedding. Um, you know, it's like yeah, this is um like a really a, a departure from uh Demi's usual approach. Like he he often has characters like looking right into the camera as people have mm-hmm. conversations, but. Yeah, this is um this is akin to the I don't know if you're familiar with the, the Dogma ninety five movement from the uh from like Denmark. Um but it it's got this like cinema verite style where it's all very like it's all set in one location, it's very loose and handheld. Like I, there may not even be much artificial lighting, it all just seems to either come from the outdoors or just with the lights that are in the house. Um yeah, it's all it looks very raw, which is appropriate. Mm-hmm. But, but uh, yeah, it's it's but it's just it helps capture that intimacy so well. Yeah, I think the the handheld is kind of a big part of what sets the movie apart. Obviously, I think um, Jenny Lumet wrote the script, which I think is is wonderful. I also read somewhere that there's actually some like improv with some of the dialogue as well, and yeah, I I think that that comes through as well. I just feel like it that when I say authentic, it just seems like real and raw and yeah. intimate and i think that that makes it stand apart as well and obviously throughout the weekend there's a lot of moments where as you can guess kim not rachel um does some does some things that cause some disarray you know within the yeah. family and within the proceedings and you know one of which is she's doing a toast and she's basically going through one of her 12 step uh, things, which is not the most appropriate opportunity for that. And, you know, her relationship with, uh, Rosemary DeWitt, who's Rachel, who is awesome as well, amazing in this film. I think that a lot of their scenes together are some of the most, um, I don't know, powerful. Also their, their father, I think it's Bill Irwin. Um, yes. he also does a terrific job of trying to kind of keep that, positivity and being uplifting and being supporting and being like, I love my sister, you know, my daughters together, you guys are sisters, you know, get through it. But at the same time, he's also very hurt by um, some of the trauma that, you know, they're dealing with in their family and in the past. So he balances that really well. And he's like always trying to be this, like the light. And yet, you know, he's also suffering. And I feel like he really, you know, visually you can see that. So he's also someone I thought was terrific Uh, as well as the mother, um, Deborah Winger as well. So she's actually Bill Irwin and Deborah Winger. So they're actually they're divorced, and um, it, it seems that uh, Anne Hathaway's mother, Deborah Winger, has uh, had a lot of issues at her own that maybe um, maybe that like kind of stemmed into her, into Kim, but not necessarily into Rachel. Um, so that there's always been just this constant like like discord with the family, like between these two sides, like with Dad just trying to. You know, he obviously could stay with this mother who was not the best for their children, and he's since remarried. But, um, yeah, I think a lot of uh, – more so probably than Kim showing up the, at the wedding is is the the potential issues that mom would bring if she were to arrive at the wedding, wouldn't you say? Yeah, and I also wonder if maybe they were separated because of the tragedy that happened. Yeah. Uh, 
and you know sometimes that's hard to stay with someone after something like that happens but yeah and there's a lot of moments where like pretty much everyone gets impatient and annoyed with her at some point and i think also you know part of hathaway's um you know terrific performance is also there's times where she's trying to be the center of tension where she's trying to almost sabotage things yeah like uh before she even does her big toast like we go through like in real time like maybe five other people who give a nice toast before and Anne Hathaway's literally sitting in the at the very end of the table for this from anyone. She's just trying to chime in, but it all just kind of like like she does want that attention, but it's all just mostly falling on deaf ears. Or they just like turn and look at her and like, okay, Kim, and just look away. But um, yeah, part of what I mentioned about how this film is uh, like just teeming with life, like a demi film would, is that I love that we just get to see a wedding be a wedding. Like, mm-hmm. there's just great long sequences of just, like, the band playing and everyone yes. having a good time. Um, it's, uh, like, we see just a lot of happy faces of characters we never meet, but they're all enjoying themselves. And um, going to the dad, Bill Irwin is fantastic. And I think one of my favorite sequences is the uh, the dishwashing competition. Yeah. 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 That's uh, one of those great films that it just really... It doesn't drive the plot forward, but um, it it like it's just this great character building moment, and it it does end with you know a sad thing that ties back to the rest of the narrative. That but like you know some a lesser filmmaker would look at this and say oh you don't need this scene it doesn't do anything. But um, Jonathan Demi is much smarter than that, and so him him challenging his new potential son-in-law to like who can who can load the dishwasher the like the fastest and cleanest is like it. It's just such a great thing to watch. I just love that, that these moments. Yeah, I love that scene too. And uh, it, it's it is interesting because it is a scene that probably most people wouldn't feel is necessary. But so much of this movie, and just to kind of go back to what I said previously, feels like you're kind of just like a guest at this wedding or a guest in this home for this few day stretch yes. of wedding proceedings. And there's obviously going to be a lot of moments where. You know, people are just sitting around and that band like never stops playing yes. and like yell at them at one point to stop. But I think most of the music of the film comes from the wedding band, like either rehearsing or at the wedding, which is just amazing. Like everything about it seeps into the, the film. And, and so it's it's almost like, you know, it's just like you're there. And, and that also adds to like the, the shaky, you know, handheld cam and these little moments of, you know, who can load the dishwasher or um, you know, I made a, whatever he made for dinner, a roast, like a meatloaf sandwich. And just like, I don't know, these little conversations that aren't necessarily important, but they are because it makes it more, um, more mm-hmm. real. I love uh, the band playing in the background, the whole film. Um, the, the, I was yeah, like, are they going to do that the whole time? <laughs> I, I love that, but I also love like at the, when the suspense is picking up in the dishwashing sequence, there's just this very like sharp, like scratchy piano music playing and the camera just kind of pans and it's just one of the band members in the corner adding music. He's like a violin and he's, he's like doing the violin. It. Yeah. <laughs> he's like right at the counter. Like he, he's got a violin, uh, but yeah, there's no, like there's no soundtrack in this movie. It's all like, it's all diegetic and sourced from that band itself. And um, this is not a spoiler at all, but we, we kind of hear them playing just like one little song at the end as the credits roll. And it's like, like a, just such a nice little song that they play that, that carries out the film that I just kind of just found myself engrossed watching it. Like one of the characters says it's uh yeah, it's a great, a great detail with yeah. having the band. 
I feel like all the viewers are part of Rachel's wedding. Yeah, absolutely. It's that's one thing. Yeah, Demi just it, he makes you feel like you're actually there uh, to kind of witness these proceedings, and um, you know he takes you behind the scenes to the more intimate moments with Kim and Rachel. But yeah, um, yeah Rachel, do uh, we say that she is um, Rosemary Duet? She's she's excellent. Um, I've now seen her in two great movies, giving two good performances. Yeah, let, me, let me see if I have any others so, yeah. <laughs> to yeah. recommend. Apparently, I'm a, I'm a, well, I am a Dewitt fan, so I'm happy to say yeah. that. But yeah, she's she's amazing too because, you know, she also kind of like the father balancing a couple kind of emotions because it's it's her wedding and, mm-hmm. you know, she wants to have this, you know, be perfect, obviously, and she also is happy. Her sister's there, but at the same time, she clearly you know, has some resentment and it, you know, at times fills out. And also they obviously still are going to have like butt heads at some point. And, you mm-hmm. know, it, it they, they kind of explode a couple times, but I think everyone in the family is deeply wounded and it's just, uh, it's kind of like, you know, making it fresh again by her coming to the wedding. And, but you know, there is also like, there's a lot of tender moments. There's a really great scene uh, on her wedding day. Um, between the two sisters where she's kind of caring for her and kind of healing a little bit. But so it's a film that, you know, has these back like up and down as far as the mood and the tone, but mm-hmm. it makes sense because it also kind of follows the tone of the circumstances to fall back to what we've said like 10 times is that it feels like you're there. Yeah. I wrote one of my notes is just like, this is just a really an open wound of a film. Like it's, it's, it's raw and it's exposed and it's not afraid to be, um, but, uh, yeah, it's, it's all, we were thinking similarly then. Yeah. Wounds. Exactly. exactly. And, you know, and the, you know, these characters are obviously wounded and it's, it's, uh, you know, a matter of, uh, not necessarily moving on, but, you know, trying to, trying to, trying to live life, um, in a way that, uh, I don't know what I'm saying, but like it's it, trying to, trying to help each other out, I guess. Yeah. Uh, trying to accept yeah. Uh, yeah. everyone's mistakes and yeah. and yeah and, and it's interesting like you can almost go back to just the sequence of the toast um to kind of like consider the tone of the film because there's so many of these like happy joyous um you know everyone's smiling these amazing stories and toasts and characters that we're never we don't even get to know um yeah. and and we're there and then you know kim talks and it's like snap back to reality a little bit and you know some of the the things that are that are bothering her that are sad that are currently you know very fresh wounds for her kind of come out and you know that's i think common with any circumstance any family gathering if there's anything kind of bubbling for most people if there's anything kind of you know bubbling under the surface it's bound to come out even when you could be like toasting and smiling one minute the next minute you could be like everyone looking at each other awkward why is she saying this um and then you know a fight yeah, it's fun to kind of watch the extras just sort of like react, <laughs> react and squirm in their seats when Kim just goes on and on. And uh, we all have that one in the family who's like yeah. this, so it's not completely unrelatable. But um, yeah, this uh, just a yeah, just a, a triumph from uh, Jonathan Demi. Um, yeah, which, uh, delightful. Yeah, highly highly recommend both of these films. Um, yeah. And a beautifully like sweet sequence too in the wedding, um, where her husband is singing Neil Young. I just said that. I think that's like the only other song. Yeah. Oh, that's good. He's. he's I, re- I really love the the husband to be. Yes. He's, he's great. Um, and I think his whole his whole family is there too at the wedding. They're just they're just a wonderful bunch of people as well. I I think uh, 
yeah, like much like something wild, Demi just does a great job of like filling in the like the spaces. Like it does. If this were like a studio film, like I I just I I can only imagine like just two actresses being picked who are like known for mostly comedy and like oh there's like I like at one point like a, a table with the wedding cake is gonna fall over and like the dress gets stained or something and, like all the all the cliches you like you fear would happen would never happen um in this and uh yeah you know i'm just i'm i'm just thinking of like the disgusting alternative to this movie yeah um, and there is there is i mean i we talked about it earlier and i've imagined it <laughs> and i'm very glad yeah. it did not go that route um but yeah, yeah demi's uh very masterful with the way that he structures this film and yeah. somehow i feel like it's very precise and yet at the same time feels very like informal um that's, that's a really good way of putting it just especially with like you know the a lot of the I don't know if this is improv or not, but there's this other guy at the wedding who's the best man. Uh, he also shows up in um, Kim's uh, AA meetings uh, or her rehab meetings, and uh, like she has she has like a little dalliance with him, but he doesn't like he's an also just a really he's a nice guy himself. You know, he's just trying to he, trying to live a better life. Um, he doesn't turn out to be a scumbag or anything. And um, one of my favorite moments is when they're at the dinner table and Kim finds out he used to be a lawyer, and she goes, "Say something legal." He just kind of looks off to the side and says, "Tort." <laughs> yeah, that is good. Yeah. That is good. Yeah. Um, so yeah, that's Rachel getting married. I think we obviously liked it. Yeah, absolutely. For anyone listening, I think you could probably make that guess. Um, it's funny. It's it's like the last few episodes we've had one movie that I feel like we've just uh, really gushed about. So yeah. This one was mine. Sorry, just kidding. Um, it's, it's <laughs> no, I could I could gush about both of these movies. That we I know, watched. I'm kidding. I, yeah. I loved Bruce and McCloud too. I think we actually did gush about that a lot. Yeah, um, absolutely. And they're very different, and yet somehow they work as a, as a pairing for this. And again, it's kind of interesting that strange little connection to episode two, which was not planned. And, yeah, uh, but uh, yeah, that's uh. Just a, it's a wonderful thing. Also, just uh, before like he was famous, uh, like Sebastian Stan is in this movie. He's like the first character that even gets dialogue, but he's just uh, he's just another patient at the rehab center. Yeah. Yeah. I noticed Sebastian. Yeah. He's he's like just such a I don't know. He's he's like generic handsome guy to me. Uh, <laughs> I've just been seeing him a bunch lately, so I recognize. Oh. Do you not nice. like him, Jake? <laughs> I feel like. He's the generic, good-looking guy. Yeah, I I don't know. See, aside from like Bucky, does he do anything else? Yeah. He's he's been around. He's been in some. Yeah. Things. yeah. No, he was in Rachel getting married. Yeah, that memorable part. Yes. Yeah. Yes. All right. Is. All right. Uh, yeah. Well, I think uh, I think that about does it for this episode. Yeah, I think um, that's a wrap on on yeah. those. I think we've got something special planned for the next episode. Uh, we won't say more. But, um, yeah, hit us up on Twitter. Uh, I'm at Jake Tropila. Uh, I believe you are at Strauss, S-T-R-O-U-S-E, underscore mm-hmm. Christy, K-R-I-S-T-Y, or at Film Inquiry. Also yeah. check us out at FilmInquiry.com. And, you know, let us know what you think. If you listen, please leave a comment, rate. Um, you know, even drop us a line as far as uh, movies that we could watch in the future that we haven't seen, because that's, that's an interesting concept. Yeah, absolutely. Something we might be playing with. And, uh, yeah, give us a, give us a good review. We like five stars or more, uh, only, please. And, <laughs> probably uh, ten. If probably you can. ten if, if you can. You gotta hack into some things to do that. I understand. But, 
yeah, that'll uh, that'll do it uh, for this week. Uh, we will see you next time. Thanks. Bye. Groovy. Somewhere on a desert highway, she rides a Harley Davidson. Her long brown hair flying in the wind. She's been running half her life. The chrome and steel she rides colliding with the very air she breathes. The air.